Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Today, we've got the usual three of us. I'm Caleb. We've got Adam. We've got Rhiannon. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, man. Worse than you, because I'm not a Patriots fan, but it's all good. I almost wore my Brady jersey tonight, but I thought it might anger you. Oh, gross. I would quit. <laughs> I've worn either a Saints uh, or a Panthers sweatshirt yeah, was... for like at least the past three podcasts. But, you know. that Those are weird, like, bedfellows, too, because they're in the same division. They don't like each other. Like, it's kind of interesting that you would like both. I was a Panthers fan from the day they, I mean, I lived in North Carolina. So, like, the day they got the franchise, my dad ran out and I immediately had, like, a Panthers sweatshirt. I mean, like, so I've been a Panthers fan since day one at New Orleans the day they opened the Superdome after Katrina. And you can't live in New Orleans and not root for the Saints. So, yeah, they're weird bedfellows, but I deal with it. It makes for some awkward family gatherings. What's a bedfellow? I've never heard that before in my life. Oh, strange bedfellows is, like, two things that shouldn't go together. But it literally means people that yeah. share a bed together. Bedfellows. People in a bed together. Oh. Okay. I'm going to have to cut this down. There's no way the people that listen to the show give two craps about anything that we've talked about so far. <sighs> All right. Uh, lots of news this week, particularly stuff from the TCAs uh, or the Television Critics Association meetings. Uh, I think that's what that means. Anyway, uh, FX let us know that Professor X is coming to Legion and that season three will be the last season of the show and that it's premiering in June. Uh, What of those things are interesting to you guys? It makes sense to end it, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know how long it could go on in its current what the hell's happening thing before getting convoluted i mean it already is pretty convoluted the way it is um but i mean i i think noah said something along the lines of that he he had planned on it going three seasons and i have no idea what if there's any truth to that um but yeah it's like the seinfeld thing dude cancel it while it's uh good I mean, it's always kind of had a limited series vibe anyways. Yeah, I think they had such a high quality. I mean, like, when we went into season two, I was holding my breath that they... I mean, they ah, it's just lightning in a bottle. And I think the only... I think Legion going on... There's two... it, It either gets more weird, and it gets too weird, or they don't go weird, and it starts to feel normal, and it just feels blah... So I think, yeah, definitely the quit while you're ahead is the smart move here. You can't wonder if it's not just sort of them wanting to quit before Disney's in control or something. This was, I think, funny, but I mean, the whole way this is all rolling down is so weird because they did like the the talk about it with the FX exec. And he's like, yeah, it's the last season. Noah Hawley always had a three episode arc. And so we knew that's what we we're going to do. And so it's coming to the conclusion we always planned on it coming to. And then when they sat down with, like, the Legion people, Jeff Loeb was there and he's like, uh, actually, um, no, we'd be happy to do a season four or a season five if Noah has it. I mean, 
Yeah, right now we're talking about three, but I mean, I, I think we'd like to extend it uh, if that's possible. I almost felt like no, he should have ended with, and uh, I have a portfolio with some of my resumes in them. <laughs> if any of you would like to take them and right. uh, share them with your friends. Poor Jack. Like, right. you could hear the desperation just in the quotes in the THR article as Loeb desperately tries to keep some kind of show running on television. Poor Jeff. Yeah, I mean, he's like, I can't just sit over here with Runaways and Cloak and Dagger. I think it's, I mean, it would be easy to forget just in like, what, September of 2017. So whatever that is, 16 months ago, 17 months ago, he had Inhumans, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., six shows on Netflix, Legion, The Gifted, um... Cloak and Dagger and Freeform and uh, Freeform Cloak and Dagger and Runaways all running. Plus, at that point, they were actively developing new warriors. It is shocking that in a little more than a year, he's lost four of those Netflix shows. The other two are probably about to go. Legion is looking to wrap. Inhumans is gone. I mean, pretty soon, Agents of Shield and the two um, and the two teen shows are all that they're going to have left. I guess gifted will still be around too, but they have, there's been an incredible shrinking of the Marvel TV portfolio. And it doesn't look like it's expanding anytime soon. We were kind of kidding when we were talking about Jeff Loeb kind of being in trouble as far as having anything to do, but it's really the, the platform. um, The landscape has really changed in a really startling way really quickly with those shows. Right. And there, I heard, there was something, um, I'm not sure if the new ABC president said it or who said it, um, but there's kind of this state of confusion now on who to, you know, especially with Fox and the Fray, there's a confusion of where to shop the TV shows at. I guess I can't remember, it was a deadline or THR bit, um, but from what it's looking like, I don't think... I really don't think Disney Plus is a viable option for TV at this moment. I don't think they're treating these as TV shows. You know, I mean, you have Star Wars and you have studios that has their own, their whole, uh, I don't know, they've only announced Loki, of course. And then you have Lady and the Tramp movie. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't think they're tackling Disney Plus as if they're television shows. Then I, I guess I don't get the need to cancel the the netflix stuff and all that but i don't it's just bizarre and we've never dealt with this before so now they do have a um they have a couple sitcoms coming to disney plus don't they like there's one about like four dads or something like there's two dads that have a kid and they both they get divorced and they both meet other men i don't know like there's a few sitcom right but neither of those have to uh run by the desk of Kevin Feige, you know? I mean, it seems like he pretty much has a... Sorry for the pun, but it kind of seems like he has an iron fist on everything, right? Well, but, I mean, the Disney... I mean, yes, Disney Plus. I, I, I am so tired of all the focus on Disney Plus because there are so many other things. I mean, there's still all the Disney networks, all the Fox networks all of these networks that will need television unless Disney's going to come in and Thanos snap half of the channels 
they have all of those networks to fill as well. And the reruns, I mean, you know, there again, when the shows have run their series, they're probably not going to Netflix. Um, you know, stuff is going to go to Hulu or Disney Plus. But I don't feel like it has to be all original programming th- there. I mean, Disney Plus will have the whole Disney library to pull from. And let's face it, that's going to be plenty. You could do a streaming service with zero new content and every person with children will be there. Yeah, I, I, well, I guess what's weird to me is we just can't figure out, like corporately, it's making me confused because it seems like they're actively contracting. I mean, this was later on in my news, but we also found out that there was like an ABC yeah. show that was going to feature women characters. Maybe it was going to be kind of A-Force-ish. And basically Disney was just like, no, we're not doing that anymore. And there was like, they even said, I think, a word or two about like, well, now a lot of those considerations are going to Disney Plus. And so it does seem like, it seems like there's been, it feels like Marvel TV is just being contracted. Like Marvel Studios is getting even more control because I don't think they're not under the same ownership, right? Perlmutter still owns the TV side and Feige handles the studio side. It's all being, it's confusing because there doesn't seem like there should be any change to the TV side, but it seems like there has been. Is that kind of how you guys are reading this? Uh, I agree yeah, with you. Yeah, it's a mess, man. I don't know. I, I think someone from Fox is coming up and kind of sharing something with Ike or doing something else. Um, it, the way it stands now, Jeff apparently has much more oversight or not oversight but many more um bosses he has to run stuff through than what kevin does that's how it seems at least well abc abc is claiming they still want to do marvel stuff but for someone who wants to do marvel stuff they've developed a lot of marvel stuff that they're have not done i've also seen a rumor or two that eternals might have been the thing that um that John John Ridley had been working on all what? that time. Charles Murphy has hinted at this pretty strongly. That Eternals was the thing that John Ridley was actually playing around with. And that the idea was like an international cast and multicultural was a big part of it. And then they decided to make For it a TV? movie. So it's, the re- it's exactly the reverse in humans. Uh, we'll stay with kind of X-Men-y stuff. So um, one of the members of the Donner family, uh, Mrs. Donner, we'll call her. I can't remember if it's uh, exactly her relations to the original director. Um, but the she was talking a bit about um, X-Men because the Donner family have been involved in X-Men for a very long time and about what's going to change now that they come into Disney. And there wasn't too much to it. Uh, she said that the Gambit movie and other movies like it are going to ultimately be Disney's call at this point. Uh, and that if they bring back Wolverine, they'd want a new Wolverine, uh, which makes sense, I think. Um, do you guys see anything in those comments that you thought was interesting? Is it, uh, I mean, it seems like we're talking about these things much more openly at this point than they had been in the past. I mean, I didn't have, how did I miss this one? I saw the thing about wanting the new Wolverine, but I've always assumed there would be a new Wolverine. The only character I ever thought would survive the Disney merger is um, Deadpool, if anybody. And it was really funny. She went all into like, 
Listen, Hugh Jackman wakes up at five o'clock in the morning and he can't eat anything and his body's just not going to be able to handle this anymore. Like, I thought it was really funny how explicit she was about what Hugh Jackman has to go through to be Wolverine. Well, but that's because he did that. Like, when he said he was doing the last Wolverine movie, he explained it in that way. Like, he shared with everybody, like, this is the stuff I have to go through to be Wolverine and I would just like to eat a freaking pancake. I don't know what he actually said, but... Yeah, her other comments were, was, uh, I don't know what Kevin's thinking when it comes to X-Men, honestly. I don't even think Kevin knows. I think Kevin's still dealing with this wealth of characters and trying to make sense of them. So that's just, you know, more of what we've heard all along. So I don't think that's too surprising. I think Kevin knows. I think Kevin has ideas. He knows exactly what he's going to do. Seriously. He may not have revealed it to anybody, but Kevin knows. All right, we've got a, a, a date for Cloak and Dagger. Uh, they have officially announced that Freeform is going to release the first two episodes of Cloak and Dagger on April 4th. We got a poster. We're hearing more about Mayhem. And there's also a synopsis that talks about uh, that there's going to be like a serial killer and that um, they're going into adult themes like uh, human trafficking. What did you guys think about all the Cloak and Dagger stuff we got hit with? Apparently it's going to be everything that the Punisher should have been this past season. (laughs) It is going to be weird if it's darker than Punisher, right? It kind of almost was the way it is. Um, I mean, I was surprised with the tone, um, how it ended up. You know me, man. I'm all about that grit. So if they get darker and, and grittier, it's... I don't... It's a good show. I don't see, I don't know. I, I don't understand what the heck's going on with Marvel TV. If if the CW can have five superhero shows easily intertwined, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Well, that's a, that's a debate for another day or a discussion, I guess. I mean, since the beginning of I mean, when we were expecting the first season, I've said that I mean, I feel like shows in New Orleans need to be dark. Like, it's a kind of dark city. Um, And they, I mean, they hit that first season so well. This seems like a good place to go for the second season. Building on the metaphysical, building on the uh, supernatural aspects of it. Giving them an actual plot. You know, dude, isn't it just nice to see a preview for a season that's not like... They decide if they want to be a hero or not. You know, like, that's kind of refreshing, you know? Yeah, this synopsis has so many things that make me happy. Yeah. Uh, Season two turns up the heat as um, they take their place as more active heroes in this world. So as you said, this is not going to be like, oh, I just want to be a kid. Don't make me be a superhero. Like, they're like, hey, we have powers. Let's go be superheroes. Um, and then, as you said, they talked about more dive deeper into the metaphysical pool, which is great. Go ahead, go weird, go superpower, go, you know, voodoo and mad. Like, yeah, let's just go. Um, and they make the choice to run into the danger head first. And then they, it ends with the talking about, uh, they tackle a heartless vigilante and uncover an evil that's been preying on young women in the city. I don't think that's going to be mayhem. So that suggests to me we're going to have a couple of villains and like, 
you know, like this is going to be a comic book. Like <laughs> imagine that a show about comic characters is going to feel like a comic book. That's exciting. Did it say that the heartless vigilante is the same person as the, cause the way you, at least the way you read it, it seemed like the heartless vigilante and serial killer were separate people. It could be. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I mean, it, it's just got an and so whether that's like a additional and or a this is the same thing and who knows it could be we have a vigilante and someone preying on the young women and mayhem all in the same season i'd be up for that you know could mayhem be described as a heartless vigilante i don't know much about Mayhem. that's why uh, that's why i anticipated that there's at least two people in that one sentence and with how her situation ended in season one, that's kind of the, uh, I mean, obviously that's the direction they're taking her. So, yeah. And it could be, I mean, I can see them setting up a dynamic. Maybe this is, Mr. they said Mr. Jip might come back. Our favorite oh, oddly right. named villain. Yeah. So it'd be interesting if Mr. Jip is like the one mistreating the women and Mayhem is like going to go out and kill him. And Cloak and Dagger are in that great superhero spot where they want to bring him to justice, but not in the way that she wants to kill him. And so they have to, like, stop her from assassinating the villain while still trying to, you know, apprehend the villain at the same time. I think that whole, that plot would make lots of sense and would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Cloak and Dagger is one, like, I don't think about it when it's not on. I don't go out, you know searching for fanfic or anything but man like it was good and i'm excited i'm glad it's back let's get a trailer uh well i would think soon i mean i was even thinking about screeners if it's coming out the very beginning of april we might only be like a month away from the screeners hitting so sucks for you guys that don't get screeners (laughs) haha Adam, you're not going to hook us up. No, man? I was talking to the audience. I'll hook you. Oh, I, know. I mean, if you're, like, if you're recommending, I don't hook you up. That's fine. That's cool too. No, no, no. I would. No, I was, we'll be. We'll yeah, be happy no, to review yeah, it. Sure. I'll just keep checking my email in case Adam sends me any presents. Haha. <laughs> Do we apparently get all freeform screeners? Quick sidebar, but my email blows up oh, like wow. every single day with new stuff they add. The only thing I know about that channel is Cloak and Dagger and Gronish. Right. And even Gronish, I watched one episode of and was like, this terrifies me about what my kids will be like going to college, so I can't do this anymore. They had Shadowhunters. Oh, have. no hat. Kind of, yeah. Mm. I have for a little bit. So, uh, Rhiannon was tired of Disney Plus news, but there's still more Disney Plus to talk about. Ugh. Uh <laughs> So um, Bob Iger or someone else at Disney slash ABC was talking a little bit about Disney Plus. Uh, They confirmed that Captain Marvel is going to go directly to Disney Plus. The Netflix deal being over, they will send it to um, to the streaming service uh, once it's ready for video release or streaming release. Uh, They also confirmed that they know they're going to lose a ton of money in the first year or two of Disney Plus. And that's all just kind of part of the plan. Um, the head of FX was talking about how happy he was to be part of Disney as a, uh, 
as a platform and he likes that with all the streaming stuff they trust disney to stream better than they would trust the old fox that they were part of uh there was confirmation once more in all these conversations that marvel is going to make r-rated stuff but that's old news because we've been telling you that forever uh and finally there was some comments by the disney folks that they love the shows that are on fx but that those shows will not fit on disney plus they'll fit more on hulu um any of that stuff strike your guys interest i'm sorry i don't have better questions no, tonight but i mean there's a lot pretty much there. everything we've been saying um the the thing that was interesting is Iger did say something along the lines of an imprint or a label or I think he might have just said keeping the R-rated stuff underneath the Fox brand, um, which I have no idea what that does to uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole. Um, you know, one would think that with all these characters under one roof, they'd still want to go with the MCU, um, but it's totally plausible it doesn't. Like if they do a rated R no. or something, I don't. No, but they're talking about doing a rated R Black Widow. True. So that would definitely be MCU. Right. Good point. So I mean, I think when he talks about the Fox brand, I mean, when the I think the Marvel stuff will be Marvel stuff, or even just I mean, in the past you've had Disney and Fox Marvel stuff with Legion and Agents of Shield. You know, that was a Fox show, and a, but they were all under Loeb in some capacity. So that doesn't even make sense to me. I know it is. But anyways, um, I think he's probably talking about non-Marvel stuff when it comes to that. Though there again, will Black Widow, like if it's R-rated, will it be on Disney Plus? Or will you have to have Hulu and Disney Plus to view all of the MCU once that's out? I mean, it's more than just, like, what's at the beginning of the movie, but it'd be interesting to me if they start, like, slapping more logos. Like, our main MCU stuff will have, like, the Disney logo and then the Marvel logo, but the R-rated stuff will have, like, the 20th Century Fox stuff, like, logo and then the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, how they're going to differentiate it is interesting. And if they do create some way to say at the opening of a movie, oh, this is an adult Marvel movie... They'll have everything in place that they could make Black Widow. I mean, they can release Black Widow and use the Fox apparatus to release it if they want to, because they'll have that in place by next um, next May. I mean, I would love if they did different flip throughs and they had like a super gloomy, dark, you know, like the little the Marvel logo comic flip through. And it's just one is the super cheery Captain America and Iron Man you know heroes one and then another one that's just like matt murdoch flat on his back deadpool blowing somebody up you know just like a really dark gloomy one and then and then you know you have the animated one and you have yeah like you're different and it's just like okay i've seen that flip through so i know i'm getting into this mood right now right but is that going to stop that's not going to stop any brand confusion with the masses, because as long as they see, like, uh, I mean, if they're doing a Nick Fury Max movie where Nick Fury drops all the F-bombs he wants, you know, and then they've already seen Nick Fury and Spider-Man Home, the, ma- the masses aren't going to put 
oh, that's a new flip-through, you know? It's just confusing to me that he, he brought up the point of a separate label or the Fox brand or what have you. Because... But it doesn't make sense. I mean, they've had zero problem with the Punisher gouging out a dude's eyeballs, so I don't... I guess I don't get it. Exactly. Yeah, it'll be... Uh, it will be... I think it would help them. I don't know. I think if they could do something... Even if it's... Like, real simple, like, there's the red Marvel logo for the main MCU stuff, and then there's, like, a black Marvel logo for, like, their more adult stuff. It, maybe it's the style that they do the posters in. I don't know. They'll have some way of differentiating the stuff. I I did find interesting that they just admitted straight up, I mean, along this line, that the FX stuff, they're like, oh, yeah, that won't go to Disney+. Plus. It'll go to Hulu. Because we've heard a lot of people say, like, oh, well, Marvel is not going to do... They're not going to do anything like Daredevil on their Disney on the Disney streaming. And that's technically true, but people I think are really underestimating that Hulu is one third of a three prong strategy for Disney. ESPN plus is another, the other third of it, but like that they're planning on doing these three streaming services with three different audiences. And it's really possible that Disney's going to pump out stuff that's not going to fit Disney Disney Plus, but will fit Hulu. And they're already planning on Hulu being a place to put that, and that they're already planning on doing stuff like that, and like the Aliens and Predator stuff that they bought from Fox, that they'll continue that stuff on Hulu. Like, they, they know that there's things that won't fit the Disney Plus that will fit Hulu, and they're already making plans along those lines. I want to see the Marvel content specifically for ESPN. Give me baseball games with Captain America. Do you know Marvel has naming rights on a stadium in Australia? I know. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's been some Aussie rule football teams that have done Marvel jerseys where they like have special one-time jerseys that like they look like the Hulk. They're like green tops and purple pants and all that kind of stuff. All right, uh, let's do a little Taika Waititi news. Uh, Taika was asked if he would do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and he said no because he doesn't want to do a James Gunn movie. Uh, like, you know, it's kind of Gunn's baby is kind of what he said. But that he has been in talks with Marvel about something else. I assume this is delightful news for both of you. Do you guys have any thoughts about... I mean, we've talked about this maybe before, what Taika could do, particularly now that the Fox stuff is available to him. Right. So, they first and foremost, they need to shelve Guardians 3. I really think they do, because anyone of note wants nothing to do with it. I mean, even Phil Lord and Chris Miller tweeted out that they don't want anything to do with it. Um, do Thor 4, have Rocket and Thor 4 have whoever else maybe if quill's still alive i mean drax is as good as dead gamora's dead um you know just kind of make guardians 3 and thor 4 the same thing oh like as guardians of the galaxy yeah something like that i mean you don't even i mean chris pratt's you know he's probably has better things to do than continuing on this guardians franchise uh forever um but, I mean, yeah, I mean, Rocket and Thor, there's already that organic storytelling right there. I, I mean, I don't even think, like, a guy like Adam McKay would want it Guardians 3. You know, nobody... Obviously, they can get some indie director, um, but that, it's got to be the most hazardous job they'll ever take. You know? Um, I don't know. Just shelve it. Do, do something else. Do that. 
do a Ravagers movie or something. I'm sure you have Sly and Michael Rosenbaum under contract for X amount of movies anyways. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, a huge superstar. Oh, why do something with them, you know? Yeah, I'm, I mean, we've been solidly on that train, the Shell of Guardians 3. Um, but there's plenty of stuff that I think Taika could jump into. I mean, he's proven that he can... I mean, has Taika ever done anything serious? I mean, he brings such a off-the-wall um, approach to everything while still looping it together and having it all makes I mean I I don't know I'm still in shock that I really liked Ragnarok oh, as much I as love I did Ragnarok. and you know I mean like I still I think he could jump into anything and make it unique and different and going around and I don't care if they stick Taika in their back pocket stick Taika in their back pocket keep going get to a point where they're in a bind or or you know where they can't get a vision right and that's where they call him in i mean have him i don't know have him be like the fixer you know they're going into a bunch of new properties a bunch of new stuff um even if he's more in that advisor role where he's not running a movie itself you know gun was moving into sort of like a cosmic advisor for marvel and it's possible that Gun, I mean, that Taika has stepped into that, you know, sort of helping with the visionary side of it all. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think he could do good with anything that's not too serious. I mean, I don't see him like taking over Black Panther, that has a very, you know, distinct vision that I think Kugler needs to keep going with. But, um, I mean, Shoot, I could see him taking a Doctor Strange and doing something neat with it. I could see him jumping into any of the franchises, and what we come out with would be completely special. Yeah, I could see a like a Thor universe. Something that's like Valkyrie and Beta Ray Bill. Like take some of these like um, Thor characters and kind of put them together somehow. That could be fun. The other random idea I just had is I almost would like to see him do a PG moon girl and devil dinosaur movie directed by Taika Waititi. Like if you've seen hunt for the wilder people, it's effectively a PG movie. I mean, there's very like he didn't, he made a movie that was very earnest and hilarious without having to even do the stuff that gives you a PG 13. And so the bonkersness of a dinosaur who's living in, you know, New York with a little girl who's brilliant. Like, I think he could do that and it would be interesting. Um, so yeah, I, I think they should still make guardians three though. I think all you have to do is you just find somebody who gun wants to have an opportunity. Like we've kind of said, like what if his brother took it over? I don't know if his brother wants to direct, but if they could find someone who's close to James Gunn, who James likes and James can give his blessing to, and even kind of be in the back of his ear as they make it. And it gives like someone who's kind of from his directorial, you know, lineage, a chance at a movie that I think that could work, you know, that James would say, Hey, it's okay. I'm excited for my friend or my brother or whoever to get a chance. I don't even think there's a line of communication open yet. I'm pretty sure that's close, closed. Uh, you know, the thing those those comments, I forget where it was. Sean Gunn was asked about it. He goes, yeah, we're making it. Things like this have a way of working themselves out. 
He said that recently in an interview. Would suggest to me, I mean, they're working with Sean Gunn. Sean's still on the set of Endgame, right? Is he? Yeah, they bring in Sean Gunn to do the Rocket stuff. Oh. You can't tell me there's not back channels between Feige and James through Sean, if nothing else. Oh, I wouldn't say there's back channel. I mean, I don't think they're actually in earnest even uh, discussing anything. I mean, they paid the guy for his... There had to be all sorts of legal stuff, legal jujitsu with all this stuff, with lawyers and settlements and... But the Russos and Scott Derrickson and Peyton Reed and all these guys that work together, there's no way that they're not still texting each other and hanging out and talking. So like, I can't imagine James being like, a director I, got, I got fired. I hate you. I'm not going to talk to, you know, uh, not Billy well, Russo. Yeah, I'm Billy sure Russo there's still acquaintances. <laughs> I wouldn't say that they're, I would guess, I mean, there's got to be all sorts of WGA or DGA rules or stipulations or something like that. If you're if you're telling me that Kevin Feige can't so much even think about what to do with X-Men and Fantastic Four characters, I mean there there's got to be a verbiage in a, a settlement or there's got to be union rules or something like that. I mean we talked about this um seeing theories on Twitter and stuff. You know, it'd almost be exactly like that. He's not an employee anymore. He's a former employee. I mean, it's still business at the end of the day. You know, I don't think... I don't know. I will say this. Charlie, who was on the... uh, Charlie Ridgely, he came on for our Spider-Verse pod. He might have the best idea I liked. He said the, uh, the quickest, easiest director to fill the spot would be guess who i think it's brilliant bradley cooper oh would that not uh, he dropped that i said that's very that's smart it is a very smart thing i mean he's already part of the pseudo cast Hmm. member um and obviously he's looking to get in the director game and something like that wouldn't upset the cast you know or wouldn't upset fans right yeah, I mean, that's what I love about the Sean... And again, I don't know if Sean Gunn has any desire to direct, but that's what I love about that option is he, he's obviously going to talk to his brother about it. His brother's going to be happy for him to get a good job like that. If Sean's interested in directing, he's been part of the cast. He's been there since day one. He's, you know, at the core of those movies. And so it's a way that you keep, you know, I don't know, it's just the best option available to him. James has taken himself out of the run. I mean, even if Disney wanted to rehire him, I don't think the schedule works now with the new Suicide Squad schedule he's got. So, all right, so we should probably move on. Um, talking about directors, it looks like um, there's been talks that Chris Evans may have been offered some opportunities to direct Disney Plus stuff to keep him in the Marvel sphere and maybe to make a cameo or two as Cap down the road. Um, I think we're still debating if Cap's going to be alive at the end of Endgame, but I assume we'd be happy to see Chris Evans back in the director's chair. Bad. He's directed something yeah. so far? Uh, well, I mean, back to Marvel oh. via the director's chair. Oh, he, I think yeah. he has directed a movie. Yeah, he's though. done, I think, two indie features. One with uh, Alice Eve in it. But yeah. he's dead. There's no way he's going out of Endgame alive. <laughs> he's dead, dead, dead. Rest in peace, Cap. He's totally dead. <laughs> Spoiler alert. 
That was exactly like the uh, <laughs> Ant-Man post credit scene. Speaking of Ant-Man, watched Ant-Man and the Wasp again. Don't like it even more. <laughs> Does not hold up. Sorry. Uh, it's fine. The only other bit of news I have, uh, Bob Iger apparently said, and I just saw this in a tweet, I can't even track it down, that Jessica Jones Season 3 will be coming this summer. Rhiannon, are you remotely interested? <laughs> I... I at least feel a little bit better that we won't... I mean, I've had, like, a little concern that it would be like, oh, hey, here's the first trailer for Jessica Jones. By the way, it comes out next week. Whatever. You know, if it's coming out in June, then at least I'm not upset that we haven't seen anything for it. I think by June, people... It's so funny. I keep seeing people that are like, maybe Jessica Jones will get renewed for another season. Not realizing that they've already filmed another season. I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying people thinking it's going to get a fourth season. It's just people that are like, oh, there's definitely not going to be a third season of Jessica Jones. And I'm like, yeah, anyways. Um, I think it's going to confuse a lot of people when Jessica Jones comes out in June. Um, I'm wondering if this is, I mean, you know, when we talked about the stuff being canceled and we found out about the two year timeline, I wondered if they were going to hold on to Jessica, release her very late just to, for reasons on the starting of that clock, you know, if Netflix held on to it and waited to release Jessica a year from now, would that add another year to the clock? Um, Obviously, we don't get to see those contracts or anything. Um, but that was the first thing I thought of when I heard of a June premiere. Because, I mean, that's just such a weird... Maybe Netflix just had a hole. Maybe they were just holding her and they're like, oh, oh here's a weekend when we don't have anything going on. Here's some Jessica Jones. Like, what do they care at this point? Well, it's particularly interesting to me with crossover characters. Like... I assume Jerry Hogarth is going to be in season three. So even if Iron Fist rights open up, they can't make a Hogarth character for an Iron Fist show. I mean, that's interesting. And if I don't have any evidence is the case, but if Luke appears in any of the episodes of Jessica Jones season three, would that like reset the, the clock on when Luke Cage becomes available? Like, I think that all is kind of messy. I think technically they could probably get by with Hogarth since they gender swapped the character. Right? Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. If they did a new Hogarth, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Do you think like think. it would actually go to like litigation and stuff? Do you think Netflix would sue them if Jeff was like, hey, yes. I really, really, really want to do a Daredevil yes. show? You think so? Oh, I, I mean, I think I think there's enough attorney. Oh, God, Yes. Because, I mean, the only reason Marvel would be... I mean, Netflix owns that... I mean, it's not like they're friends. Yeah. And want them to do... I mean, this is business. So if they have a contract saying, you can't do this, and Marvel tries to go and make a Daredevil show and make money off of it, heck yeah, Netflix is going to want that money, go at them, sue them, do whatever. It would start the complete different direction. I mean, that's where it would totally... if. Marvel wanted, I think Iron Fist is actually the more accurate, you know, if they wanted to throw him in a movie and they decided it was absolutely perfect and that movie was going to be three months shy of the two-year deadline, one, 
I imagine there are dollar figures spelled out in the contract. Lawyers don't overlook that type of stuff. Two, if they needed to do it, if it's not already spelled out, they would start by going to Netflix and negotiating that before it ever got anywhere. Yeah, I feel like people keep forgetting on this Netflix stuff. If I'm Netflix, I hate Disney's guts. Yeah. They are spending hundreds of millions of dollars to directly go after my constituency and take customers out of my organization and put it into their organization. I mean, they they are committing incredible resources to gut my business. Why would you not be like offended and angry about that? Like I don't I don't understand why people think Netflix would have any reason to not go totally to the mat against Disney. I mean, Netflix, they're still dedicating $5 billion to original content in one calendar year. Netflix, Netflix is, is, yeah. I mean, you think when yeah, they throw around that kind of money that they, I don't think they give it. Yes. The Marvel shows are so, Oh, they outside, give all Outside the... of Daredevil, all of the Marvel shows have been terrible ratings-wise for Netflix. Luke Cage broke Netflix. Yeah, I season one true. did. Season one did. Look, look yeah. at all these reports on season yeah. two. Even Daredevil had a substantial drop in season. But we three. don't even know. I mean, that's the thing. You can't. I think when it comes to all of that, even any information that we have on viewership and whatnot on Netflix is speculative. And well, you know, I mean, Netflix has started coming up with their own methods. numbers with their big hits now. Did you see the FX executive yeah. go after that today or this week? No. The executive FX said, listen, they give you numbers. Now, to be fair, he's criticizing their numbers because Netflix would inflate their own numbers. Not acknowledging that the director of FX has reasons to deflate their numbers. But he was like, it's all baloney. They say 40 million people watch this show. That's not they don't keep metrics the way we keep it. Like his point was, if somebody pushes play on one of their shows and watches 30 seconds, Netflix calls that a play. Whereas TV ratings are the average amount of people that watched across all 60 minutes of a program. And so he's like, if their 40 million looked like one of our shows, it would be 5 million. Like he straight up just deflated their numbers and talked about how baloney they are. Netflix has... I would guess Netflix's numbers are way more accurate. They might be leading it out. There, there's a metric in there. I know when they released the the Bird Box stuff, and they they only counted. I think they counted if people played seventy five percent of the property. Yeah. that's what they said. Because that's right when they released the Bird Box numbers. That's what everyone was saying was how's all these numbers accurate and such. Um, so then that's when they came out and said that they only count the play or the viewer or whatever if it's 75%. So, I mean, if you're watching 75% of a movie, that's still an hour and a half. So I can't I can't speak to the accuracy of any of this. I'm just saying if you want an illustrative conversation about how much people hate Netflix, go look up FX exec Netflix numbers. And he just, like, rips into them of, like, these guys are full of crap. They're just selling you all this line and it's not true at all. <laughs> but seriously, Adam, I mean, you you go to a Walmart, they're a billion dollar corporation. You try to walk through the door with a $10 item under your arm, they're going to stop you. I mean, Netflix is going to care about Disney violating contracts, whether there's animosity or not, because 
that's money. Technically, I mean, Walmart doesn't prosecute people that's still under $25. <laughs> Technically. This is the... This is the kind of information you know when you live in Iowa. No, listen, I heard if you go down no, there. Was, no, I think that's actually news. their corporate policy. Yeah, that's big news. If you steal something under twenty five bucks, they'll let you walk. That's how I get all my socks. But will they let you walk? But will they let you walk with the fifteen dollar item? No, they're going to take it back. I don't know. I don't think you they're think gonna Marge is going to chase me out the door. <laughs> Marge. <laughs> Because her name's going to be Marge. No, I'm just saying because she's probably an older lady. Super nice, but she ain't going to run after me. No, I know, I know, I know, yeah. I have heard that Walmart's return policy is ridiculous. Like, you can bring in anything that you bought anywhere in any condition, and they'll give you store credit for it. I don't know if that's true. Oh, my God. No, 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 it's totally true. So, my cousin, (laughs) when he graduated high school, they all went camping, and they went to Walmart, and they bought a tent. Yeah, like, I mean... kids got drunk somebody threw up in the tent and they were like how do we clean this out how do we clean this out they had no idea they rolled up the oh, tent no. as is oh, threw no. it back in the and box? returned it to walmart <laughs> and that's been how to steal from walmart here on marvel news desk uh, how to maximize the walmart return policy thank <laughs> you very much you know damn well they threw that right back out on the shelf Oh, yep. no. Oh. <laughs> yep. That's terrible. All right. So uh, let's talk about the trailer. We got a couple of Super Bowl trailers. Uh, we'll start with Captain Marvel. I don't think there was too much in this that we hadn't seen, except for she punches a jet at one point. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, any thoughts about Captain Marvel trailer? Anything that you noted? I think Endgame was so big, people ignored it. The Captain Marvel one was the worst one yet. For getting, uh, I mean, it was on. I didn't like it. It didn't capture my attention. Then again, you just said the whole Endgame thing came up, which was all new footage. But yeah, Captain Marvel just wasn't interesting. I was way more interested in all the uh, print collateral they released afterwards, like that new Odium poster or whatever. That was dynamite. I mean, that international poster was even dope too. So uh, it was super smooth. That Captain Marvel trailer was directed towards all the people sitting down to watch the Super Bowl that hadn't yet heard about Captain Marvel. The women watching, you know, trying to get everybody's attention. Because I was sitting in a room with people that knew about it. I mean, I think I wasn't the only person in the room that already has a ticket to it. Every woman in the room perked up and was like, ooh, ooh, what's this? Um, it got people's attention. No, it did not excite me. I didn't like it. It didn't do anything new. I felt spoon-fed. The stronger, faster, whatever, like, they went through and said, uh, what is it, stronger, faster, higher? I think that's it. Whatever. Stronger, faster, higher, you know, like, stronger, faster, higher, and then, boom, stronger, boom. Yeah, I'm like, you just said the three words. Like, what, like, what, what the what? Um... I don't know. I'm just not liking the advertising for Captain Marvel. But other people are. I liked that. I felt like it gave us a little more attitude. Um, So far, Brie Larson's voice has just been off to me. I don't know why. Like, when she has that dialogue with uh, Fury and she's like, we're warriors. Heroic warriors or whatever. I'm like, I don't know. That doesn't feel right. But when her and... um, when she was walking with Spectrum or Spectrum's mom or whatever, 
and they were walking to the jets and she had like kind of a the jet pilot swagger to her i was like oh okay that's carol like i don't know it worked for me it seems like whatever we have felt like is missing in this marketing we apparently are not the target audience because the box office predictions now have it 160 million opening which would be like fourth or fifth best in the history of the mcu just behind like the avengers movies and black panther i mean it's tracking as well as black panther was a year ago right and so they're doing something right (laughs) i mean it's it's gonna make a crazy amount of money i think it's going to blow all of our minds away I, I I just don't get it. Who? I mean, I, don't, I mean, like I feel like I should be the target demographic. I feel like my friends, the you know middle class, middle aged women, or younger. I mean, should be the target demographic. And when I look to them, yes, the superhero fans. I mean, the people that go and do Harry Potter trivia. That that. The nerds of my friend group, most of them are interested in it. But even within the nerd subset of my friends, there are some that are very meh about it. So I just I, I will be interested to see the actual numbers. Can you remember back? I mean, do you remember any like Wonder Woman reactions? Do you think Wonder Woman had yes. that better I... before it came out? Yes. At this point before Wonder Woman came out there was buzz there was i mean i had friends in that same you know circle that were just like f yeah we have to see this i mean i ended up going to see wonder woman like opening weekend because i wanted to be able to talk about it with everybody while they were talking about it like there was hype i'm just not feeling the captain marvel hype but hey, I'm glad it's there. I mean, I'm not against it. I'm just finding those numbers so weird. Like, I felt the Black Panther hype. I felt, yeah, I mean, like Infinity War. And that's all I wonder if it's Infinity War. Like, people knowing this will tie in or something like that. But even that feels too deep. You'd think they'd start including her on some endgame at marketing, don't you? They're not going to wait until after it hits theaters to start including her and stuff. Will they? Well, she's on some of the, like, there was like a blanket or something that hit today. Um, did you see this on social media? It's like an end game branded, like blanket or something. And it has all the characters and she's on it. I think it's, she's going to be in the kids toy stuff. So there's going to be that at least. Right. But even like the full length trailer or whatever. Right. I mean, kind of what they did with the guardians and throw them in at a, in cap type scenario yeah it'll be interesting um the thing is they can put her into they can do something with an end credit scene in about what 24 days or whatever right that'll help fix that up all right well you started talking about endgame and marketing which is what we wanted to talk about tonight so let's go to endgame this trailer was 30 seconds long i feel like i have seen more analysis of this 30 seconds than i've ever seen of anything ever what'd you guys take from the uh the end game stuff that we got this weekend at the super bowl every single frame was new man completely all new footage every single frame oh and we're seeing the post snap america it is exactly um, what i expected Ah, uh, it's perfectly I, miserable like you just want to roll around in that misery 
God, I'm not really that emo or dark, but man, I've I've been talking about this on Twitter this week. Um, I like as a kid, I reread The Stand like three or four times, like the thousand page version of The Stand. Um, and I just envision this world, you know, like there's so much I could use just like five movies about probably all the time they're skipping before they start this movie and the post-snap world. But anyways, that's just Rhiannon issues. Um, I like that part. Yeah. And no, I'm, I mean, I'm with you. I wasn't just joking. Like I want, what I love is that the Russos have made movies that have stakes that change things. And so they did Winter Soldier and it brought down S.H.I.E.L.D. like crashing in the movies for a long time. And then they did um, Civil War and it ruined the relationship between Cap and Tony. And we're still like three or four years on and those guys still haven't gotten back together and made up yet. And, and, you know, obviously now Infinity War has incredible, like, we always talk about how comics always revert back to the status quo and they do it too quickly and they kill characters and they're back six weeks later. And so what I love about all of that post-Snap America stuff is it suggests, no, this is broken and it's going to be broken for a long time. And that the feeling you had at the end of Infinity War matters. Like it means something instead of just being something they fix in 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, there's, we see uh, black widow doing sh- target practice. We see Hawkeye's face. We see uh, Ant-Man and war machine gearing up. We see cap in a support group. I think that's the one that really like, that was the gut punch moment where Cap's sitting in like, basically AA to like cope with his stuff. I don't know. Like it just, it's so emotionally resonant, I guess is the thing about it. Um, and they still haven't told us Jack squad about this movie. Like we still don't have any idea what's going on except that I love it. If this is all really in the first 10 minutes or whatever. And if it's a three hour movie, good Lord. I I mean, I don't think they're going to show us, they're certainly not going to show Tony's return to Earth in a movie trailer, I don't think. Um, and they've already said that they're not going to feature all the dead people. Uh, this movie's going to be nuts. Now, I mean, we're going to kind of, we're transitioning into this a little bit because I want to talk about marketing some. Uh, Adam, do you think that we have these digitally removed characters? Or yeah. at this point, has, have they faked us out to the point that we're like seeing stuff that's not you there? You know what? These 30 seconds might not even be in the movie at all. They for sure, <laughs> they for sure removed, um, I, I, well, in that outside shot where they're looking up at the sky, there's definitely at least one person removed from that. Uh, and then the, the, um, end shot where they're walking through i want to say airport where they're walking through like the avengers lobby um and probably something out of there too but they mess with us they've been messing with us for a while now obviously um the one thing that stands out is there hasn't really been the money shot like we got in infinity war or even in uh captain america civil war where um spider-man was there I mean that's the, that's the length they're going to in the Civil War thing they removed uh, 
Spider-Man, not only did they remove Spider-Man, they completely repositioned War Machine in the same shot. Um, which I would guess takes a significant amount of time on someone's plate. So you, it's not like you know, it's a simple... You know, they always say that. Why didn't they just shoot... They could have just shot it twice. They could have. They could be like, all right, now, uh, Tom, get out of that one. And uh, yeah, Don, come this way a little bit. Yeah, we're going to shoot this again real quick. They could have, but I don't think... Um, Iron Man and War Machine actually have prop armor anymore, do they? I think that's all full CGI. I know they wear helmets, but I don't think. Yeah, I saw I saw pictures of that scene where they still had top. They still had like the top armor, just not the pants. Right. So I don't know. I mean, there there's more than meets the eye with these trailers. Obviously, this these clips are going to be in there. I mean, nothing's too revealing. I mean. What's the the big shot where they're looking up at the sky? Are they looking at Captain Marvel kind of floating down from the stars? Are they looking at Iron Man returning? Are they looking at the Living Tribunal? (gasps) Or I don't know. Um, I I have a theory, actually, of some of what's going on here. I think early on in the movie, we're going to get gray and white vision. Right? We're going to get the vision that's totally lacking in color. And I think that they don't want you to know he's coming back yet. And so that either he's standing in some of those spots or like even when they're looking up that that's like him like descending in his new computer robotized form. I could be wrong, but I think that Vision's a a candidate for who's missing from some of those shots. Are you sure though who's going to fix him up? Sure he's gone too. I don't know, maybe self-repairing. That's not confirmed. Well, kind of. I mean, she's on the screen. Then again, she... Unless the oh, screen right, is right. a lie. It could be. They're I mean, that's the you. thing. It could be. That screen could be a lie. Obviously, they knew exactly what they were putting in there. That wasn't a flub up. Um, <laughs> I, would, I would like to imagine that it kind of was, though. Like, it's an actual spoiler or something that's been in one of these trailers. And someone's they actually or, missed. Yeah, and someone's gotten fired from it, and we'll never know. <laughs> and they totally changed the movie because of it. <laughs> Rian- like, something was a spoiler, but now Faye, like went back and just changed all of it because of that. Yeah. Rhiannon, do you, do you mind that you're being lied to this, obviously, or no. that they deceive you? I mean, at this point, you're happy with that. No, I want all trailers to lie to me. I, um... I am perfectly fine. I latch on to the weirdest details and wait in the movie. I mean, I think we talked about it with Guardians 2. Like, in the back of my mind, the whole time I watched that movie, I was waiting for that moment where Groot had a red button to push. Um, You know, like, running with the buttons. And that was, like, pretty close to the end of the movie. And it's just, like, a weird thing in my brain, like, that I just, you know, like, where's that detail? Where's that detail? I can't wait to see that detail. So lie to me, give me, as long as it's getting the tone right and it's getting, you know, like if we had this trailer and then I didn't get any time to see my post-apocalyptic world, my post-apocalyptic Avengers world, then I would be mad. But us getting to that post-apocalyptic world and it not being Groot in the lineup, but actually being uh, a vision or something like that. That wouldn't, I mean, I don't know. If you take away Groot, where I'm expecting Groot, I might be upset. I mean, not Groot, Rocket. Um, If you, you know, 
I I don't mind being misled to keep the story a surprise. No, then again, I mean, I think if Guardians 2 had had that little scene with Groot pushing the red button and then we got to the movie and I had that in the back of my mind the whole time and it never happened, I probably would have been irritated. So maybe I take all that back. You did bring up a good point. You know, you look back at the Guardians 2 teaser and trailer, like everything released was in the back half of the movie. Like, go back. No, most of it's in the front. Uh uh-uh. uh. What? I think it had, like, that original fight, that fight that they started. Like, there's with. some. Yeah, it has the obelisk or whatever. And then there's an interior shot of Aisha and stuff. But there's a good chunk of it when they're stranded on Ego and then um, even more, like, when they're inside of him. Or not stranded on Ego, but that other planet. My thing, I think I said this before. I don't mind being lied to as long as what's in the movie is better than what was in the trailer. So the one that yeah. really bothered me was in Rogue One, there was this really stunning shot where Jen Erso was face-to-face with a um, a TIE fighter. And then they just cut it out and they just changed it to where she was just up there face-to-face with Ben Mendelsohn. And I was like, that's not nearly as interesting as that shot where she was face-to-face with the TIE fighter. So I don't mind being lied to as long as the lie is inferior to the truth. (laughs) Was there one singular shot in Infinity War that was better than... Never mind. I answered my own question. (laughs) Than the group shot? Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. I, I mean, the overall ending... I, I liked where it went better than if if they had all just been to come a group and just beat Thanos. I don't think it would have been as interesting right. as what we saw. So now I do want to talk about tone. So there's kind of this voiceover, and we're we're told by we think Cap that yes, it's Cap. I don't know, man. Anyway, who do you think it is? Are you one of the people that think Cap says bananas too? No, I saw that one. I think the first line is General Ross. The line about some people just move on. I think it might be Ross. He, I, I think Ross yeah. will look at Cap and go, Cap, some people just move on. It's okay. And Cap will look back at him and go, not us. But I could be wrong. But anyways, that not us, It um, there's a little bit of almost a triumphant tone in that, isn't there? Like, I, I think that there was... With all the darkness, it ends on this note of, like, the Avengers going out to fight, and they're like, we're not going to get beat. And even the fact that in the first trailer, Tony is like, I'm running out of air, I'm going to die, sorry, Pepper. And then in this trailer, he's like, heck no, I'm going to fix this ship, right? Like, there was this decided shift in tone, I think, in this trailer versus the last. Did you guys feel that way at all? Yeah, I agree on that. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, it was a feel-good trailer. It's like, yeah. You know, a lot of the trailers, when you look at it, you're trying to figure, you know, you're showing, you're showing what the battle is and what the plot is here. And I think what I like so much about these is the trailers aren't, like that Captain Marvel trailer, you see her flying through the air and the, you know, the glowing fiery fly through the air and punching the plane and da-da-da. This is showing an emotional journey. Have We haven't seen any sort of fighting in any of the trailers. It's, it's setting a tone and 
I don't know. I'm all about the positivity. Yeah. It, it, they have to eventually have hope or else it's just going to be a bunch of a series of reminding everybody why they were so depressed last year. Well, it's interesting because there were some comments in the media this week by both Taika and by Chris Pratt about how they've gotten a sense of what's coming or they've seen the script or whatever. And that fans, the the, the fans should be excited right. about, you know, they're, they're going to get the, the send off they deserve. And they're just subtle comments that suggest to me, the Russos are not going to end this in depression. Like there may be some deaths, but they're smart enough that this thing is going to end triumphantly. Like you are going to walk out of the theater feeling good about where the Avengers are. I think. I think so. Hmm. I don't. Can you? Can you feel triumphant if like Cap dies? You know. I mean, if we go with this theory that the original Avengers are in some way going to sacrifice themselves to save everybody that was snapped. They are going to have to do that so well for people to leave the movie and feel good. I mean, maybe that happens at the end of the second. I mean, maybe that happens early enough and you have 20 minutes afterwards to have feel good reasons. Maybe they're going to sacrifice themselves in a way that we haven't thought about. I mean, maybe they sacrifice themselves by going off and starting a commune on some planet we've never heard of. And we can all just be like, they're alive. They just can't come back to Earth because reasons. It, it'll be interesting to see how this ends up being a feel-good movie. The movies that come to my mind are the original Star Wars and then the episode episode 7. You know, like, we see deaths of Obi-Wan and Han. And spoiler alerts if you've not seen Star Wars. <laughs> and still at the end, there's, there's a triumph by the good guys. And you still left the theater like, yes, that was awesome. Like, you know, the death of Han Solo in episode seven does not make that movie depressing, even though it's it was emotionally impactful. You still felt leaving good, I think. All right. This is the last question I've got on this line and we'll, we'll wrap up with a mailbag. Does Disney even have to market these movies? No. Like when we look at like this trailer, like it, what's why do they put this stuff out? Like, is there a purpose to this or could they just drop this and they'd be fine? They don't need to do a look at look at all look at all the publicity they gotten over like toy leaks. I mean, you can't tell me all these toys that are popping up overseas are oversights. You know, obviously someone okayed to send that stuff out, um, but in terms of like TV spots and trailers for Endgame, they did not need to release a trailer. They could have released like a title card, and like just popped up the Endgame logo, and said coming April twenty sixth. And everyone would have been like, all right, I'm going. I mean, this Endgame might be the lone exception. I mean, it, it, it's hard to think this isn't going to do crazy numbers at the box office, right? I mean, we, we had the discussion last year, right? What happens if Infinity War's bad? I mean, there's no way Endgame's going to be bad, is it? There's It's virtually impossible. With a track record of Marvel Studios, with the track record of the Russo brothers, with everything on the line, there's no way it's going to be bad. Well, and if we're right that it does have sort of a more triumphant tone, it's going to feel better than the last one. Like the last one, the fact that they made Infinity War so well liked with an ending that was that depressing right. was amazing. Right. They they still got the they still oh crap they still put that comedic tone in it. But 
I mean, exactly. I almost remember a lot of the jokes more than I remember Thanos killing everyone, you know? Just bizarre. It's bizarre that they're so good at what they do. Oh. Yes, you heard it here first. Endgame's probably not going to be bad. <laughs> We're do- are we doing a death pool again? I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should. We should. I-, I think a tiny bit of marketing is necessary. I mean, I think they did it right. I mean, I think you guys were saying that in past years they did second, third quarter Super Bowl ads. This one they did, like, did this ad come on before the game started? No, it was the very first commercial, I think. Because, like, I I was all, like, planning to have negotiations with the people I was watching. Because I was watching the Super Bowl with somebody that doesn't watch trailers. He doesn't like to see him before he goes in. So, you know, like, we had just, like, had this discussion, like, okay, I know there's going to be an Avengers trailer. Are you guys going to let me watch it? You know, or am I going to have to go lock myself in the bathroom and download this thing? Then it was just like it was already there. Like, I don't know. We, we weren't paying much attention to the game. Pretty sure it was the very first commercial after kickoff. That's, yeah. I mean, so, anyways, what I was getting to with that is, um, you know, they didn't put a whole lot into it. I mean, Captain Marvel, you can tell they put some real money into the spot and the trailer and it was necessary and it probably got people's attention I don't you know I know there's some people that left Infinity War and didn't realize there was another movie coming so a little bit of reminder like hey we're, we're actually going to continue in this world probably is necessary yeah I think we can it's easy for us to forget that people don't live in like the weird blog world that we live in there were people at our Super Bowl party that were like, whoa, there's a Captain Marvel movie. Co- oh, there's another Avengers. Like they did not know it was coming. I had one person that very sweetly said like, oh, they must be making all these to honor Stan after he died. And I was like, what? N- no, th- those movies don't get made that fast. <laughs> like Captain Marvel got <laughs> greenlit like four years ago. And they're like, oh, really? That long ago? Like, so, like, for us, we know that this stuff's coming, but I don't, I think there are still normal people. And if you're going to make up $2 billion, you got to have lots of normal people. Oh, I love people. That's so fun. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I think they're, the way they marketed this is brilliant. And the fact that we're talking about the marketing of this movie on a podcast helps them market the movie. They're just, they're geniuses, basically. All right, let's wrap up with the mailbag. Uh, on the website, Love Waffle had a very good and interesting point. We talked last week about whether or not Disney ownership is good for the MCU. And uh, basically, <laughs> um, his point was it's good for the MCU because if Disney hadn't come in and basically allowed Kevin Feige to be Feige and told Ike Perlmutter to just sit over in the corner then we would not be getting the movies we did. And he directly points to the fact that Iron Man 3 could not have a female villain because Ike Perlmutter didn't think anyone wanted to see a female villain in a movie. And next year we're going to get a movie with a multi-ethnic cast with lots of female characters and another movie that's Black Widow. And he was just saying that would never happen if Disney had not come in and told Ike, you know what, we're going to let Kevin do what Kevin wants to do. We would still be seeing Iron Man 8 with male villains, basically. And I think that is a very, very good point. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's easy to forget. Apparently Ike's in some kind of weird legal trouble. Did you guys see this article about this today? 
He's like an extended lawsuit, and it's led to like further investigations that could get him in real trouble. It's uh, it's bizarre. Is Mueller is Mueller digging all the way to Perlmutter? <laughs> that would be so weird, wouldn't it? If Ike finally had to appear on TV because he was like subpoenaed by Congress or something, and like he shows up for the first time in his reclusive life, reclusive life on TV. Oh wow, you're being accurate, and Rihanna's comments not uh, too far off. No, I mean that's, I jeepers. I mean, we know he's friends with Trump in some way, isn't he? Well, yeah. I mean, they're the same. They're the same oh, yeah, socio yeah, circles. Huge donor, huh? Like the only uh, picture within the last X amount of years. It's bizarre. Look up the picture. The last like Ike's notorious for not wanting his photo taken, and it's like this smoky, hazy picture of him and Trump like eating dinner. Right, at like Mar-a-Lago or whatever. Yeah. That's like the last picture that... It seems like he's a shadow. But this lawsuit... And we're not trying to get political here, people. It's just really weird and bizarre. Like, it turns out that like he's tried to curry favor from the president, potentially, or people in the administration in ways that are not totally legal. And, like, it's bizarre. No, I mean, like, the headline I'm seeing is... That he's the shadow head of the Department of Veterans Affairs? Like. It's so weird. Real world is more crazy than comic books some days. Like, because he's a -a Mar-a-Lago member. Okay. So, like, the call is... I mean, okay. So, they're investigating whether folks at Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago associate, uh, influenced the decisions regarding the VA. And Perlmutter is a member of Mar-a-Lago, and so he's caught up in that investigation. Yeah. Okay. I- <laughs> Question, what, like, Ike and Bob Iger, like, what's their normal day look like? Like, do they have a 9 to 5, or are they, like, golfing and, like, just take calls or what do they have like nine to 11 executive time (laughs) i think exactly right i think they're very different i I bet perlmutter doesn't do much but Iger, when you look at how complex his job is i bet he's one of these crazy people that wakes up at five o'clock and like reads two newspapers on the like treadmill and then like does straight meetings and then eats a bite of dinner at 7 30 and then goes to bed at eight so he can get up the next morning like i think he probably works crazy hard think yeah i mean when you look at their film side the tv side the parks the mar- the merchandising everything that disney does and all the junk they've been doing with the streaming i think bob Iger probably works 14 hour days every day i don't know a lot of that comes down to hiring the right people though it's not like bob's sitting behind his desktop punching away at code and debugging disney plus <laughs> No, but just I mean, because he he's not doing be. that type of work doesn't... I mean, like, he's the final yes-no on a lot of decisions. And right. so it's probably a lot of briefings on those decisions. And, I mean, all I know is, like, the executive structure I'm currently working on. You know, there's a person at the top that has to approve certain things. And that person's day is pretty much getting briefed on those things. Like, that person doesn't actually know about those things. But so I just picture Iger like sitting in his huge chair with a stamp that says yes or no. Yeah, yeah. Somebody comes in and they're like, "Hey, we need you know 
are we going to try to buy Daredevil back from Netflix? Our numbers run. Here's our numbers. And he'll either be like, yes, no, give me more information. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's instructive that when they went to do the Fox deal, the Disney board basically said, "Uh, before we do this, Bob, will you stick around for an extra two or three years to help us through this? And if he had said no, there were indications that Disney wasn't going to go through with the deal. Like, that's how vital the people thought Iger was to this whole thing. I mean, and while it is somewhat of a rubber stamp thing to approve things at that level, I mean, I think the people that are very good, I mean, and let's say Disney, I mean, you can't come up with a company that's managed to hold a positive reputation as well as they have and do as consistently well as they have. Some of that has to come to somebody at the top asking the right questions and making the right decisions. So I don't know why I just got on such a positive rant for Iger, but, um, yeah, geez. you know, like there is a job to it. You know, he's no, not phoning I, yeah, that. I mean, in. I wasn't questioning his work ethic at all. I just wonder what the CEO of a huge, massive company does. I think Perlmutter plays golf you know. <laughs> at Mar-a-Lago. Probably that makes sense. That explains according to like the three headlines I just googled. <laughs> that's why it, I'm that, now an expert. That's that's why we got the Ronin. Mm. We did. I do. Um, I for me the theme parks is always the part that makes me so crazy impressed with Disney. Like I love the movies and the TV and all that kind of stuff. But as a parent who takes their who's been with their kids at Disney World, there is such a qualitative difference between Disney and then a step down to Universal. And then, like, a tumble down into the crap hole that is Six Flags. Like, there's such a qualitative difference in those that the immersive experience they've created at Disney World is incredible. I just cannot... It always flabbergasts me that they have the customer service and the, like, polish on everything. And the way that, like, they've done so many things that as a parent you go, Oh, wow, that made this much more enjoyable. Who thought of that? Like, everything is just so excellent. It is just incredible. So, praise be to Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Stay there forever, Bob. Never leave. All right. <laughs> I think that does it for this episode. Um, thanks for listening, guys. If you would like to support the show, uh, there's lots of ways you can do it. In all seriousness, uh, we love our YouTube channel and we like putting stuff to it. Uh, if you don't know how YouTube works, we still when you get, when you watch ads on our YouTube channel, YouTube makes that money, not us. And we'd like to make that money. So subscribe to us if you haven't yet. We need to get another, oh, 350 or so subscribers to get monetized. So if you love this show and you want to support us, you want to do something that's free and easy and helpful, just go on to YouTube and subscribe to us. Even if you never watch the videos, it'll help us. So please do that. Uh, Patreon is there, obviously. Uh, We'd love for you to do that. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook.com slash Marvel News Desk. Uh, that YouTube channel is watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Leaving us reviews on iTunes helps other people find the podcast. Uh, the biggest thing is thank you for listening and telling your friends. We really appreciate it. Uh, we want to thank Tim Cox for our logo. He's on Instagram at Tim V Cox. And thanks to Alvin for the theme music. You can find his music at the skull school on a whole lot of different social media platforms. I think that does it for now. Uh, we'll see you guys later. <laughs>